Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for your goodness and for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we just want to hear from you tonight. So we do ask, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and uh, just have your way with us and guide us and lead us as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So Nate is uh, away tonight. Um, uh, and so here I am. And in honor of Nate, I'm going to try to mimic him as much as I can. So I'm going to stand here with negligible notes. Little card. I don't know if you know. Uh, there's some people who think Nate has no notes, but it's, it's just on a little three by five card. So don't let him get away with that. So we'll just say that first of all. Then second of all, I'll kind of walk around a little bit. And I tried to grow my hair out, but I that didn't, didn't have time for that. And, um, and I'll probably say something like really snippy and fun and and kind of kind of witty and I'll pause to see if you guys got it or not that was nice. <laughs> thank you so um, that was for Nate so tonight uh, over the last week uh, if you've been reading through the Bible in a year uh, we've done uh, Psalm 120 up until Proverbs chapter 7 and um, uh, I thought just it might be worthwhile tonight to consider sort of an intro of Proverbs, if that's fair. And um, I was thinking, I think Larry said on Sunday, you know, talking about reading through maybe a psalm a, a day um, as kind of a, an idea in David's heart, because David was a man after God's own heart. David had sweet fellowship with the Lord. And I think it, I was, my brain was kind of going with that a little bit. And, and in my mind, I think of Psalms as kind of like maybe the heart of David, kind of a David thing, if that's fair. And then maybe Proverbs is maybe a Solomon thing, if that's fair. And there's an interesting distinction with David and Solomon, right? Um, and there are two very different guys. And I think of it like this. I think it's almost like, and I don't want to speak too much into their lives necessarily, but I almost, in my mind, I liken Solomon to the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, hey, what can I do to be saved? Right? And Jesus said, you know, Jesus gave him the list. And it's almost like Solomon, you know, the Lord said, what do you want? And Solomon said, can I have wisdom? Because I want to do the right thing. I want to uh, walk in wisdom. I want to lead the people uh, with diligence and all that. And God was blessed by that request. So, I mean, obviously we have to say that was honorable. But I think if I think of it in context of David versus Solomon, I think, and, and this has been on my heart lately, so that's kind of why I've been talking about it. I think of David as being and Solomon as doing. Does that make sense? Like Solomon says, I want wisdom so I can know how to lead, so I can know what to do. David just kind of wanted, you know, um, to sit in the shadow of his wings, right? And David did things along the way. But you see the idea, right? And the idea is, and it's almost like, and again, I, you know, I know my brain's going too far my brain's spinning a little bit on this um, because I'm not, I'm using Nate size notes. That's what my brain's spinning. But it's almost like Solomon had it just long enough to write it down, but he didn't really live it out. 
right? And so we've got the wisdom of Solomon, or the wisdom of God handed to Solomon, and that's a blessing. But I think if I can make the distinction, I think it, it only really works when it's birthed at, when our doing is birthed out of our being. Does that make sense? It's like we have this intimacy with the Lord. We sit under the shadow of his wings. We, you know, all that kind of stuff. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters and, you know, he restores my soul. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and all of that. And as a result of that intimacy and that fellowship that I have with the Lord, now I walk in wisdom according to the words of Proverbs. Is that fair? Nate would say, is that fair? Yeah, right. I'm sorry, Nate was it, right? Right. So that's how I'm going to do it. Right. So uh, Proverbs chapter 2. Let's just do a little bit of, um, of like intro overview of Proverbs, and then Nate's going to give us some more details on Proverbs next week. All right. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son... If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I kind of like this because it, in my mind, it kind of takes me on a sequential uh, run of my brain a little bit because I got that word then, right? So then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Well, he told us back in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Elsewhere, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So our starting point on wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord that says, I have this supernatural respect of God, or not supernatural, but I have this, this awe-inspiring respect of God. And I think of it, you know, I've, it's been mentioned uh, somewhere recently, um, but, you know, we talk about, you know, fear of God is not like really fear of God, but I think there is maybe a thing where if we walk outside of the will of God, maybe we ought to have a little fear, right? It's kind of like, you know, we talked about uh, walking in the light and walking in darkness. If I'm walking in light, then yeah, I've got this sort of amazing respect for the Lord. But if I'm walking in darkness, I ought to have a little fear, fear of the Lord, right? Because he's going to, you know, he's not going to cast me off. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to do that, but he's probably going to nudge me back on the path, right? And so there is a fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. But I like this, and I want to highlight this. He says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. When? Well, when you treasure my commands within you, when you apply your heart to understanding, when you cry out for discernment, when you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Can I just pause for a minute? We need to place a very high value on biblical wisdom. A very high value, probably higher than we often tend to do. We often tend to 
put a high value on lots of things, you know, a high value on, you know, reading our Bible, high value on, you know, doing lots of things. But there ought to be a very high value on wisdom, on biblical wisdom, and, follow, and having a fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. And I was just thinking through this this week, you know, value is a funny thing, right? Value right now, for example, is uh, a little bit crazy. I, I'm always intrigued by, um, I don't know, I don't know why. I'm, not, I'm just going to, I don't know why. But I'm always intrigued by economic waves. Does that make sense? And part of the reason I'm intrigued by them is because they're always waving, <laughs> right? And we're in one, because we're always in one. But we're in an economic wave whereby... Um, the prices of things are up, right? And that may or may not be a reflection of value. And I was just thinking in terms of value and price, and they're very different, right? The price of some things, I don't know, can you think of something that's overpriced? Is there anything in the world that's overpriced right now? Give me something, huh? Lumber. Lumber. There you go. A two-by-four, what's two-by-four going for right now? An eight-foot two-by-four. Anybody? Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Seriously? Ten dollars for an eight-foot two-by-four. Right? To me, the value of an eight-foot two-by-four is about, I don't know, ought to be four or five dollars maybe, right, on a good day. So the value of, an eight, of a two-by-four eight-foot untreated, warped board at Lowe's <laughs> with knots all over it, the value of that board is about 4 or $5. If the price is $10, what do I do? I, what'd you say? Huh? I buy, I buy a wood miser. Now we're talking, as, as my grandson would say. That's what I'm talking about. No. I put the project on the back burner, right? I mean, you know, there, we put a project on the back burner this year, right? You know, for a lot of reasons. But, but you know, eh, do I really need to do that project that bad? Do I really need to build that treehouse this summer as opposed to next summer? And so value and price are really very different. But value, and I was thinking about this, price is determined. Who sets the price? Well, the system. Short order, low sets the price, right? But there's a system that drives that price. I understand all that. Who determines the value? Me. Get this? They set the price. I set the value. Right? So how does that apply here? My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, I need to determine that biblical wisdom is valuable to me. I set that price. And honestly, I mean, I set that value. I'm sorry. I set that value. And honestly, I see this play out because I see Christians all the time 
that put a very low value on the Word of God. It's the same price for them or for me, right? What's the price? Well, I got to get up out of bed and read it, right? I got to try to live it. It's the same price. But some people place a greater value on it than others. Is that fair? So Solomon's telling us, and honestly, Solomon didn't put a real high value on it, but he knew it enough to at least write these words. So if you treasure my commands within you, and if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. I've said this before when I read this, I think, in the past. If I told you that there was a 10-pound bar of gold buried in your backyard, what would you do? Would you go looking for it? Would you maybe buy a metal detector? Would you maybe buy a bobcat? You know, we're always looking for a good excuse to buy a bobcat. That might be it, right? And so, uh, if you search, seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. So I want to make this point. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We have to have this, oh my goodness, attitude about the Lord. And that starts, even before that, with placing a high value on wisdom. Placing a high value on the Word of God. Placing a high value on biblical wisdom. He says, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Where do we get wisdom from? We've said this a million times. Where do we get wisdom from? We get it from the Lord, right? We get it from the Lord. From the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So he loves to just give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And these are things that are so lacking so often in, in the world that we live in. But they're freely accessible to us. Freely accessible. The Lord gives them. He doesn't sell them. He gives them. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the ways, the way of his saints. Now I want to highlight the next point here. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice. He preserves the way of his saints. This word paths is mentioned 19 times in the book of Proverbs. Literally, it's like a, it's like a, a description of a path, path through the woods or whatever. This word way, which is a little bit broader, like it's kind of like a path, but it's more like the way we live, the way in which we walk. The, it's it's kind of like the metaphor more loosely applied. Is that fair? It's mentioned 75 times in the book of Proverbs. I think this is a key to understanding this book, is that our life, our life of applied biblical wisdom is like walking on a path or on a way. And, you know, Jesus tells us this, right? Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go by the narrow way, by the narrow path, as opposed to the broad path that leads to destruction. We want the narrow path that leads to life. 
And so often, we find ourselves on one of these, one of these paths. But when we have a fear of the Lord after placing a high value on the Lord, and we find the knowledge of God, knowing that the Lord gives wisdom, knowing that he shields those who walk uprightly on the path, he guards the path of justice, and he preserves the way of his saints. And when we walk along that, then we understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. It's like the more we walk on that path, the more he sort of paves that path. It's a funny principle in life. But the more we walk on that right path, the more he paves that right path. I got to tell you a, a situation that it's kind of, you ever have one of those situations that you're face to face with? It's so, and maybe I think like this because I'm always thinking about what I'm going to be talking about next time I'm up here. But this is so like surreal that I'm still trying to get my head around it. Is that fair? So work with me if it feels like it's, I'm still trying to get my head around it. I have a brother right now, and I don't think either of my brothers are probably going to listen to this recording, so it's okay. I have one brother, he's 65, who is right now uh, on a mountain somewhere in California, right? He texted me yesterday and he said, just got back from a 10-mile hike at 13,000 feet. We made it safe back to camp, he wanted me to know, right? 13,000 feet. I wrote him back and said, I hiked to the coffee shop, 500 feet above river level. <laughs> right? And he always says this, I tease Nate about this. I said, you do that, then you lose track on the next thought, right? So anyway, 500 feet, anyway, so yeah. So I got one brother, 13,000 feet in the air, hiking 10 miles a day, right? I got another brother who I saw this week, actually, who's a little less than two years older than him, who, if he tried to walk from here to the bathroom, he'd be miserable by the time he got there, right? 65 and 67. Now, they walk different paths, right? Physically, I mean, I'm no, you know, I, either one of them would be fine. Actually, we do talk about it. So it's like I'm not talking behind their back. We do talk about it. Physically, these two guys have walked on different roads for 40 years. This is the bottom line. And so physically, they find themselves literally on different paths now, right? And so I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm, that's just kind of, kind of crazy to me. I got one brother up on a mountain and one brother who honestly has a hard time getting up out of bed because he's in so much pain. God says he guards the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his saints and I think there's a thing that we need to understand about a path or a way. How do you travel on a path through the woods? Anybody? What's the word? 
How do you travel on that? How does a human being travel on a path in the woods? It's a four-letter word that starts with W and ends in K. He walks, right? He walks. Does he airlift? No. Does he pogo stick? No. Does he hop like a kangaroo? No, he walks. And sometimes in life, we lose the, um, the appreciation of the fact that our life works like a walk, one step at a time, on a path that God is leading and guiding and making even more clear and more paved along the way. And we're just kind of walking on that path. Does that make sense? I heard Rich Mullins, I, th I was thinking about this this week. I heard Rich Mullins say one time, he said, the problem with life, the difficulty with life is that it's so daily. Does that make sense? It's so daily. And you think about that. Our life operates on a daily basis. It's daily. One step at a time. And you know, we love to live like, we love to travel on roads like a kangaroo. Man, if I could just bounce effortlessly to like the destination, that'd be awesome, right? But the only way to get there really, because I'm a human, is to kind of walk there one step at a time. Does that make sense? It's a picture, at least it's a picture that's kind of brewing in my mind. But it, it's fascinating how that's really how we get to the destination. Whether it's the destination that we need along the way, like, you know, in my mid-60s, am I going to be on a mountain or, you know, in a chair? And it also really is how I get to my ultimate destination, which is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see this? See the process? It starts with placing a tremendous value on the right path, making sure I'm on the right path, and then having a fear of the Lord that helps me make sure I'm on the right path, and then walking on that right path. And he goes on, he says, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. So what's going to happen when wisdom enters your heart? Your heart's right here, right? Trust me, I'm a doctor. Your heart's right here, okay? Your mind is where? It's up here, right? So when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, I would liken maybe the soul to my heart, if you will. It's like who I am. It's like, it's like my desires. It's like my emotions and my being. It's like what we said at the beginning. David was all about being. But when wisdom enters my heart, becomes a part of who I am, becomes a part of how much value I place on God's Word and on fellowship with Him. And when wisdom enters my heart and knowledge is pleasant to my soul, then discretion... Does discretion sound like a heart word or a brain word? Sounds to me like a brain word. Then discretion will preserve you. And understanding, that's a brain word, 
will keep you. You see this idea? Now, generally speaking, in terms of this human experience that we'll call the path of life, which does the most driving, the heart or the brain? Raise your hand if you think heart. I'm just curious. Open, I'm not going to pick on anybody. Raise your hand if you think heart. Raise your hand if you think brain. Okay. I'm going to make a case for heart. Right? Because when I want to um, decide that I'm wandering from the path, you know, this is the right path. Let's say this is the right path. I'm going, let's say I'll go this way. I want to go this way, and something real tempting right over here that's going to take me off of the path. How logical am I going to be when I depart from the, this path to go onto that path? How thought out am I going to be? Not at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, I'm just going to want that thing. I may even know that it's wrong and that it's going to have consequence and, it's going to, and I'm going to have to deal with it later. But in my mind, I'll say, I'll deal with it later because I really want that thing right now. Right? That's my heart. I believe our heart drives much of what we do. Now, that's okay as long as we understand the order of things and our heart is surrendered to the will of the Lord. Because he says, when wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, then discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. That's how you'll, when you really, really, really want to follow the Lord, then you will, and you'll have discernment along the way. There's so often times, honestly, it's one of the saddest things I see as a, as a person sort of interacting with other people is I see people, I won't say too often, I, I see people too often that remind me of the guy, you, many of you have heard me say this before, the guy at the pool uh, at Siloam, John chapter, I forget what it is, five or six, somewhere in that neighborhood. Jesus comes up to him, he, remember the guy? The guy sitting there, and right now, even as, even as I say, say it, you're unfortunately thinking about the chosen episode of it, right? The portrayal of it. It's a great portrayal of it. But that, the guy's sitting there, and he's waiting for uh, somebody to stir the water. Because when that happens, that's my chance. Right? Jesus walks up to him, and he says, Do you want to be made? Want is a heart word, by the way. Do you want to be made well? That's a fascinating question to me. It's fascinating that Jesus would ask the question, and it's even more fascinating to me that the man didn't say, absolutely. And to me, it's a picture of what I see play out in earth all the time. People that don't really want to be made well, they just want their situation modified so that somebody will come by and, you know, stir the water just the right time, kind of push them this way and that way. They don't really want to be made well. They want to be kind of 
accommodated or they want the situation different or they want the stars to line up or they want their leader in office or they want this or they want that. They want everything but to be made well. And yet Jesus, none other than Jesus, now we'll give the guy, cut the guy some slack. He didn't know who Jesus was. But the point of the story is none other than Jesus Christ is asking this man, do you want to be made well? Now, we as Christians have greater insight than that guy had. So I believe we're accountable, maybe a little more so than that guy was. When Jesus asks us, do you want to be made well? We need to be very careful to say, absolutely. Yes, sir. But too often we say, you know, my heart's just not in it. Do you want to do the right thing today? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll do the right thing tomorrow. That's a heart thing. That's a heart issue, right? That's a heart issue. We've got to place a high value on, the, on, on wisdom. We need to seek it like it's buried treasure. Then we'll understand the fear of the Lord, and that's the beginning of wisdom. And that will guide us in the paths and in the ways. And when wisdom enters your heart, then we'll have discretion. So we'll read on a little quicker now. It's going to deliver you. That, that discretion, by the way, that's motivated by your heart, following the fear of the Lord and following placing a high value on, on wisdom, that's going to deliver you from the way of evil. Well, that's cool. I want to be delivered from evil. I don't want to go down the wrong path. And then he just throws out a couple of examples. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Well, if we are walking along the right path, and wisdom enters our heart, and discretion preserves us, and understanding keeps us, then we're going to stay away from that guy, right? We're going to stay away from his path. Example number two. Verse 16, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the comparison of her, of her youth, I'm sorry, the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. You know, it's sobering. I'll just say this while we're on a very sobering subject. It's sobering how many times I have encountered people who know full well that that path leads to death and then none who go to her return and they say you know my heart's just not over here my heart's there knowing full well what the end point of that is that's a crazy thing to me that's a crazy thing but it didn't start with the temptation it started with the fear of the Lord, right? It didn't start with the temptation. It started with the fear of the Lord. 
So we walk in the right path. We walk daily. We, we're going the right direction. We're going to avoid the guy um, who rejoices in doing evil. We're going to avoid the seductress. And instead, verse 20, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. How many of your days, how many of your remaining days do you want to keep on the right path? All of them, right? All of them. For the upright who dwell, will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. See, so this, this kind of life we're talking about has staying power, right? But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Chapter 3 carries on. My son, do not forget my law, but keep my, keep your, let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So we see, so I want to read this little bit of chapter 3, because what we're seeing is, as we're walking along this path, right, we're seeing somewhat of the end point described for us here. Length of days, long life, and peace they'll add to your life. Those are the blessings along the way, as well as a, sort of a description of the end point in a way. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So very familiar verses, right? But let's not, ignore, let's not miss them for the familiarity. Uh, familiarity is a da- one of the most dangerous parts of some of these verses, right? As I'm walking along this path, right, and, you know, I'm walking right here, about ready to walk off the edge, like Mr. Magoo, right, not realizing the danger, and he directs my path to making me go this way or whatever, Right? He directs my paths. And how I do that is one of the most critical points of that is to not lean on my own understanding. Is to not lean on my own understanding. Remember? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why would I despise wisdom and instruction? Just as a little side note. Why would I despise wisdom and instruction? Because I have a high value of my own opinion. Because I think I know it all. Because I like to lean on my own understanding. And that's a dangerous place to be. He carries on this thought. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So it's not a guarantee, you know, pie in the sky, but there is, there is blessing in the, on the narrow road. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So along this road of our life, this sort of daily path, right, God's going to have opportunity to redirect us at times. We need to be okay with that. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. So remember at the beginning we said 
if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, like as if there were a brick or 10 bricks of gold in your backyard, right? Well, the, the path of the righteous is better than fine gold, more precious than rubies, and anything that you may desire. Think about this for a minute. All the things you may desire cannot compare with her. That's cool. That's very cool. There's a lot of things in this world we like to, that we want. There's a lot of things in this world that we think are awesome. A lot of things in this world that we think we can't live without. Biblical wisdom is more precious than rubies, and all the things we desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are in, is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. So we'll stop there. Pretty cool, huh? Keep in mind that our doing comes as a fruit of our being. Our being is that, that fellowship we have with the Lord. The why of what we, of the why we do what we do, the reason, the why that we stay on the path of the righteous is because we put a high value on our fellowship with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you that you want to have a relationship with us, and we thank you that you make it possible, and we thank you that you, you lay down the paths of righteousness and the path of wisdom for us, and, and you give us the opportunity and the privilege and the ability to walk in that path of wisdom. And we, we thank you for the protection that it provides from, from evil and from the consequences of evil, and we thank you uh, that, uh, that you're just so good to us. Lord, help us never lose sight of that and help us to place a very high value on our fellowship with you. So, Lord, please have your way with us and guide us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.